This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer, and welcome to episode 48 of Keep the Faith, my weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. The countdown continues. We're just eight days away from the start of Passover, Pesach. When I was a lad, the staples of our Pesach diets were meat, potatoes, eggs, fish, and dairy products. Were I a vegan, however, I don't know what there would have been to eat. We're going to find out today, though, because my guest is Dr. Richard Schwartz, Emeritus Professor at the College of Staten Island. He lives in Israel now. He's just written a new book, Vegan Revolution, Saving Our World, Revitalizing Judaism. He's also the author of Judaism and Vegetarianism, Judaism and Global Survival, Mathematics and Global Survival, and Who Stole My Religion, Revitalizing Judaism and Applying Jewish Values to Help Heal Imperiled Planet. And he's authored hundreds of articles on his favorite topics. He's also president of the Society of Ethical and Religious Vegetarians. Welcome, Dr. Schwartz. But may I call you Richard? Absolutely, absolutely. And thanks for the kind introduction. And wonderful to be on your program. Thanks for having me. When we first communicated with each other, you were a strong advocate for vegetarianism. But now you've gone vegan. What is veganism? Why is it? And how does it differ from vegetarianism? Okay, vegetarianism means no meat, fish, chicken, etc. Veganism goes beyond that and says also no dairy, no eggs. And usually it means also no leather and shoes, no fur, etc. So we go beyond that. And it turns and more and more, by the way, this is what's been happening that um, 15, 20 years ago, many were vegetarian. Now, especially among the leaders, they're moving toward veganism because the way that chickens laying hens are treated is very bad. Also, the way dairy cows are treated as well. So more and more people are moving toward veganism today. Okay. And how does it differ? How does the one differ from the other exactly? But the thing, again, vegetarianism, no flesh products, uh, veganism, no animal products at all. So it goes beyond vegetarianism in adding dairy and eggs, usually honey, and also clothing, leather, and all. It's, it's like absolutely no harm to animals. You know, it would be against rodeos and circuses and uh, all kinds of ways that animals are mistreated today. And of course, that's very consistent, as you know, with Jewish teachings, that we are to be Brahmanam, compassionate children of compassionate ancestors, imitating God, who is compassionate over all of his works, according to the Psalms 145, number nine. What do we do with the eggs that the hens lay? Do we let cows go unmilked? Is that healthy for them? Well, you know, that, according to Ralph Cook, he says in a way that it's theft, that milk was designed for the baby cows, just like the human mother has milk, and that, of course, is to uh, nourish the baby. And the same thing, uh, those eggs and the milk, it's part of the reproduction processes and raising of the children of the animals. So that's the thing. But the fact that uh, there's such mistreatment, just uh, very briefly on that, dairy cows are artificially impregnated every single year so they'll continue to be able to give milk. And, well, and then the babies are taken away right away. Of course, a very cruel practice. Egg-laying hens... 
kept in uh, confined in such small spaces they can't raise a wing. And by the way, the males, of course, can't lay eggs. They haven't been genetically programmed to have much flesh, like the so-called burrows have. So they are killed almost immediately, put into plastic bags to suffocate or be crushed by the animals above them, etc. So that, again, tremendous harm, and this is very inconsistent. Judaism is, you know, with such powerful teachings on compassion for animals. And as we approach Pesach, we know the great uh, Jewish leader Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our great teacher, led the Israelis out of Egypt, of course. And according to the Midrash, one of the reasons he was chosen is he showed great compassion to sheep and his, uh, as a shepherd. You mentioned Tsar Ba'alei Chaim. It's a subject that we've talked about often on this podcast. But could you give us a little brief explanation of Tsar Ba'alei Chaim, which means not causing harm to animals? Right. Well, again, there's much in the Jewish tradition on that. So important that uh, compassion animals is part of the Ten Commandments, where it indicates that not only are people to rest on Shabbat, but animals as well. And another important Jewish teaching is that if a person has a farmed animal or a pet, uh, Jews are to make sure that animal is fed before human beings, before sitting down to their own meal. And it says in the Torah, you can't yoke a strong and a weak animal. You can't muzzle an ox while threshing in the field. So, uh, uh, very powerful teachings, and in a way, it's a test, and a test for leadership, which we mentioned about Moses. Also, that same Midrash indicates that David deemed suitable to be a leader because he also showed compassion as a shepherd. It's a test for righteousness because in Proverbs chapter 12, verses 10, it indicates the righteous individual considers the life of his or her animal, and a case can be made that it's also a test for choosing a spouse. You know, the famous story when Abraham wanted to make sure a proper wife would be chosen for his son Isaac to continue to Jewish people, and he sent his servant Eliezer to find a proper wife. And Eliezer set up that test that at the well, if the woman would offer to draw water for him, but not only for him, but for 10 thirsty camels that had just crossed the desert. And that requires a tremendous amount of water, and yet Rebecca met that test and uh, therefore was deemed suitable to be the wife for Isaac, the son of Abraham, and therefore continue the Jewish people. As I recall, someone did an estimate, and it would take 10 trips to the well to water just one of the camels. That was 100 trips to the well. There was a wonderful Midrash also about Moses, that one of the reasons why God chose him was because he was so caring of his sheep. One ran away looking for water, and he didn't realize that the poor little sheep was so thirsty. So he picked it up after it drank the water, he carried it back. And it was that that caused God to say, this is the right person to shepherd my people. In the Sefer Habrit, the Book of the Covenant, chapters 21, 22, and 23 of the Book of Exodus, it talks about a thief who breaks in and he steals an animal. He steals a large animal. He has to pay back five times. But a little lamb, for example, he only has to pay back four times. The rabbis say, well, why does he have to only pay back four times for this, but five times for that? And the reason is because he would carry the small animal with him because he didn't want the animal to have to suffer by walking too much. For that, he gets one animal less to pay back. In any case, why do you think there is a vegan revolution today? Okay, I think people are getting more and more aware of the negative effect, health effects of animal-based diets. 
They're pointing out more and more how really incredibly poorly animals are today. And also they're getting more and more aware of the environmental threats, and especially climate threats. People who, to some extent, don't recognize how seriously animal-based diets affect the climate, the really, uh, methane given off by the animals, and you know, very negative effects. Another major, major factor is that there are so many wonderful plant-based substitutes for meat, for dairy. You have uh, soy milk and uh, rice milk and uh, almond milk, etc., and substitute. And some of them, in terms of the meat, taste so much like, they have to taste so much like the real meat from animals that some people who have been uh, eating meat for years and years, decades sometimes, can't tell the difference. So we have all of these factors. And uh, thank God for that. It's so important because uh, to reduce the climate threats, reduce the harm to animals, and also to reduce the very wastefulness of animal-based diet, they require far more land, energy, and water than plant-based diet. Part of your book's title is Saving Our World. How do you save the world with veganism? Animal-based diets are having so much negative effect. And uh, there was one study, a UN Food and Agricultural Organization said it indicated actually, to me, it's an amazing fact that animal-based agriculture actually emits more greenhouse gases. So that's a major factor. Now, there's about 7.8 billion people in the world today, but somewhere around 60, 70 billion animals. And the very negative effect they're having, one example is... A major reason that the tropical rainforest, the Amazon forest, for example, are being destroyed, cut down or burned down, is to create pasture land or grazing land for uh, farmed animals and also land to create feed crops for the animals. So that is very negative. And we've seen, by the way, recently climate experts are warning us more and more about the climate threat. For example, the ancient the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change indicates we may have only until 2030, now only nine years from now, to make what they call unprecedented changes in order to have a chance to avert a climate catastrophe. And we've seen this more and more evidence of this. By the way, 2020 tied 2016 as the hottest year in recorded history since about 1880. And we probably seen, I'm sure others have on TV, these wildfires in California were so severe, the smoke made the air quality worse than that in cities like Beijing and Shanghai, etc. And by the way, there was a record number of storms that hit uh, the, the U.S. and the Northern Hemisphere, etc., so so many that they needed nine letters in the Greek alphabet in order to name them. They went you know, beyond uh, Rosie and Sam and George, whatever, all the English Okay, so it's essential there be a major shift toward uh, plant-based diets or vegan diets in order to have a chance. Of course, many, many other things have to be done. It's not, uh, you know, but without a major shift to vegan diet, it's hard to see how we're going to avert a climate catastrophe. Another part of your title is revitalizing Judaism. And the rabbis insisted back then that basar v'dagim are required for festive meals, for Shabbat, for Chagim, for festivals. Basar v'dagim translates as meat and fish. 
How do you revitalize Judaism by taking away the meat and fish? Okay, actually, that's part of Sakam 109A that indicates that. But in that Sakam 109A, they said after the destruction of the temple, no longer necessary to eat meat. There have been chief rabbis and are some as well today that are strict vegetarians and vegans. One of them was Rabbi Slomo Gorin, former chief rabbi of Israel the late chief rabbi of the UK, Jonathan Sack, so that it's not necessary today to eat meat. So the, the important point is that every Jew has a choice in our diet. I can't say you must be a vegetarian or vegan. Nobody can say, really, you must eat meat. Rav Cook, by the way, that would be a vegetarian period based on the powerful prophecy of Isaiah. At that wonderful time, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the lion will destroy the ox, no one shall hurt nor destroy in all of God's holy mountain. So we, we do have a choice. And, you know, the meat and fish, again, according to the Gemara, to the Talmud, no longer necessary after the destruction of the temple. How does becoming vegan revitalize Judaism? Okay, well, it revitalizes it in this sense that there are six powerful, fundamental Jewish teachings that point to veganism as the ideal Jewish diet. I'll just list them briefly and I'm happy to discuss them more later if we have time. And these are six fundamental Jewish teachings to take care of our health. By the way, the only one of six, 13 mitzvahs that use the word ma'od very much so. Take care of our health to treat animals with compassion, to protect the environment, conserve the natural resources, help hungry people, and seek and pursue peace. So that people eating meat today are, in effect, violating these fundamental teachings. So that putting these teachings into practice, I think, would make a big, big difference. But one of the things I'm trying to do is revitalize the ancient New Year for animals which initially was tithing, of course, for the sacrifices, but we want to renew it and transform it into a day devoted to increasing awareness of Jewish teachings on compassion for animals and how far from these teachings they are. So I think if there was a shift there, I think it would move many idealistic Jews who may be turned off by the fact that Judaism now is not promoting vegetarianism, veganism that much. By the way, Israel is the capital of the world in terms of veganism. The highest percent of vegans in the world are here in Israel and high number of vegetarianisms as well. How far have you gotten with that? Okay, well, there's a group, the Jewish Veg, that I'm president emeritus of. They have decided to make that a priority this year. Last year, um, I think I had a number of events uh, on Zoom and all that. So we made a start on that. It's like, as you know, Tuba Shabbat, uh, it was also after New Year for Trees. That also became very much of a minor holiday after the destruction of the temple in the 70s, the Common Era. But then the Kabbalists brought that back. So there's a tradition. We're trying to build on that. So we've made a start. We've had various occasions related to it. We're trying to put together, in effect, uh, a Haggadah and a kind of service for that related somewhat in uh, following through on to the spot. But if you ask me this question about a year from now, I hope I'll be able to give a much better answer. Coming up in eight days, we need a shank bone on the Seder plate. We have gefilte fish, chicken soup, brisket. What, what does a vegan do? 
okay, well, uh, we have some substitutes in it. And as Rabbi David Rosen, uh, former chief rabbi of Ireland, points out, these are not uh, mitzvot commandments, but traditions or customs. So we can use a mushroom, the fleshy appearance, instead of the shank bone. Some people use the red beet, you know, the red colors, uh, instead of the egg. People have different traditions on, on it. So it's not essential. And again, the former chief rabbis, and some today, Rabbi David Rosen, chief rabbi of the pre-state Israel, uh, are vegetarian or vegans. And so again, we have that important choice. And there's no need to eat meat today. People have that choice on Shabbat or any of the holidays. That again goes back to that Pesachim 109a that indicates that eating meat, drinking wine, necessary in the days of the temple, but now there are different ways to celebrate, and according to that, clothing, children having candy, so we can celebrate definitely in other ways without doing harm to animals and being far more consistent with basic Jewish teachings in the six areas that I mentioned before. You're planning this major campaign to promote veganism together with your book. You want to explain that, please? Okay, well, first of all, I really appreciate this opportunity. I'm trying to get onto as many podcasts and radio programs as possible. And again, it's essential to, if we want to have a decent world with a decent world for our children and grandchildren, that to be this major shift to veganism. Uh, we just had two Bushfat. I actually led four different two Bushfat leaders, two in Israel, two in United States, thank God for Zoom. It makes such a difference, hopefully restoring the duty uh, for animals and as a positive thing for animals. And again, that book that you're so kind to mention, Vegan Revolution, uh, I'm trying to build on that, writing letters to editors, trying to get other people involved, hopefully um, taking out ads and all because... The climate threat is the greatest threat environmentally, the greatest issue in so many ways. So I'm doing everything possible, do that. And by the way, if anybody emails me at uh, Veggie Rich, that's V-E-G-G-I-E-R-I-C-H, at gmail.com, I'll be happy to send PDF of the cover picture and the full text of the book. You know, I'm trying to get my book to as many, many people as possible. Again, thank God for the modern technology, the Zoom, and the fact that I can send out many people. I'm trying to get book to as many, many people as possible. I'm hoping to start many respectful dialogues that will help shift our imperiled planet onto a sustainable path. Could you repeat the email address again, please? Okay, it's veggierich at gmail.com. That's V-E-2-G-I-E, and then the word rich, R-I-C-H, at gmail.com. And by the way, people may want to visit a website where I have over 250 articles related to these issues, and that's at jewishveg.com. Uh, that's Jewish. V-E-G dot C-O-M, of course. Then the slash and my last name, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. And by the way, at that website, I have articles among the 250 relating vegetarianism and veganism to every single Jewish holiday and to Shabbat. And there's articles about Jewish teachings about passion for animals, about health, the environment, and book reviews, etc. 
Thank you, Richard. Dr. Richard Schwartz's latest book is Vegan Revolution, Saving Our World, Revitalizing Judaism. And I'm grateful for you being with us this week. I hope you have a really wonderful, meaningful Pesach. We're taking next week off to get ready for Pesach, but we'll be back the following week. And hopefully we'll have an update on elections in Israel. Election day there is next Tuesday, but if you believe the polls, it'll be at least a week or more before anyone really knows what happened that day. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer. I hope you come back for my next podcast in two weeks, God willing. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcasts. Go to www.shammai.org, www.shammai.org. S-H-A-M-M-A-I.org, www.shamai.org, and email me, please. Shabbat Shalom, stay healthy, and have a meaningful and enjoyable Passover. And remember, we're not out of the COVID woods just yet, so please stay safe.